This is Rumble. And I'm Michael Moore. Welcome, everyone, to this episode. A uh, very, I think, I hope, important episode because I have some things I want to say here. I'm not holding back. I can't. I can't hold back, even if I tried. But um, we're in some. We're in a desperate situation here with the upcoming election and what Trump is doing. And so I want to talk to you in this episode about my plan for how to make sure that we're going to have an election, how to make sure that Trump is removed, and how the Republicans must be gone for good. Trump has declared war on us, and he's declared war on our democracy. It's time for us to put our lives on the line and make him the last Republican president of our United States. Now, Trump, right now, right now, as as I'm speaking to you, he is up to some very nasty, scary stuff. And some of it is stuff that we can't even imagine what it is. Of course, of course, we can't imagine it because we don't think like Trump. Our brains are wired for love, empathy, solidarity, compassion, freedom, person, woman, man, camera, TV. Now listen, you know, like I know, that Trump has a devious, wicked plan to destroy this election. We need to declare, you and I, immediately, that it is he and the Republican Party who are going to have to go. For the sake of this country's existence, they must be crushed and removed. Trump actually, he doesn't have just one plan. He has an arsenal of plans already in action to ensure that he never leaves office. He has them all in high gear right now. Some of them are visible, some not. If, if you could, I think if you or we, all of us, if we could actually see everything he has in motion right now, to undo our democracy, we would be so stunned. We'd have to immediately convince ourselves that, of course, there's no way he can pull all this off. Just just to preserve our sanity. You see, we are all caught in Trump's matrix, a mad web. The The work of a psychopath in chief with tricks so devious that fascists... Of old, you know, back in the olden days, if they were alive today, they would marvel at what Trump has accomplished. Now, listen, for the next 11 weeks until the election, and then for the 12 weeks, I believe, between the election and the inauguration, I'm going to tell you something you probably already know. Trump is planning nothing but anarchy, chaos, a call to arms from his angry white male followers, and he is planning the complete destruction of our democracy. Now, I know what you're thinking, Mike. Okay, calm down. Take take a breath. You think I'm kidding? You think I might be overstating the case? Do you want to actually take that risk? You know, take the risk that mm, I might not be wrong. You know, most of you, I understand, chose not to listen to me four years ago when I warned you that Trump was going to win the presidency by taking Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Okay, that's that's okay. I understand. I know 
I must have sounded like a crazy man, but you know, I live in Michigan. I was certainly in Michigan then, and I saw what was going on, and it was clear to me. Hillary didn't even bother to visit Wisconsin, came once to Michigan, didn't care. Black Americans in Flint and Detroit telling me they were staying home and wanted nothing to do with it. I could see this coming. Well, I want to ask you right now in this episode, can I, just for just a favor, can I please ask you to right now, right here in 2020, to give me your serious attention for what I'm about to say. Because if I am right again this time, and I don't want to be right, I wish I were wrong saying these things. But if I end up being right again this time, there won't be a next time. There will be nothing left for me to warn you about. There probably won't be much left of me. It's hard to say those words. But I'm so concerned about the fight that we have ahead of us here in these next 11 weeks. So here's how Trump is planning to end our right to choose the next president and the next Congress. And let me tell you, friends, this is going to happen very fast. It's going to catch us off guard, even though we seem we think we're on guard right now for whatever the hell he's up to. But I want to lay out here for you in this episode a battle plan for us to defeat his takeover of our democracy. And my friends, we must act now. So let's go over what I see are Trump's plans. He's got five plans already in motion. I'm just going to give you the the bullet points here. I think you know most of these or assume that most of these are probably happening, and they are. So Trump plan number one, which he uh, actually enacted the day he became president. Plan number one, create chaos, instill fear, fire up the base with racist vigor, and then let pandemonium ensue. He's been doing that now for four years, and he's done a brilliant job of it. Trump plan number two, also already in motion, suppress the vote, dismantle the post office, create four-hour-long lines by drastically reducing the number of polling locations, done, check, throw black and brown voters off the rolls, check, stop those who've served time in prison, now that they've served their time and they're out and they can legally vote, though in many states, most states, prevent them from voting. And he has spent millions now. They've already hired 50,000 what they call poll watchers to be at voting sites across the country to intimidate voters. 50,000, an army of 50,000 mega heads to intimidate voters at the polls. His plan number three, plan number three, postpone the election. You know that this is afoot, my friends. Here's how he's going to do it. Uh, sometime in October, perhaps, he's going to place the blame, the blame of why we have to postpone the election on a, what will seem like a very legitimate national tragedy or emergency. You know, he could say, you know, the, the deaths from COVID-19 could just be astronomical. They're already awful, but I mean, 
like double what we've got right now. And he might just say, look, there's just the, the we're in a pandemic. We, we can't have an election. And you can see some people nodding their head to that. Yeah. But it could be any of a number of things. It could be, a, there could be a terrorist attack. There could be an assassination. And I don't, and I, I mean that in a looser sense, not of, not of the candidates, but of maybe other candidates, other leaders, political leaders. Um, who knows? That would stop the election. There could be a deadly hurricane or some just got awful weather this fall. There could be a civil war in our streets. Or how about this? This is actually very possible. You have two men in their 70s running. One or both of them running for president could fall ill to COVID-19 between now and November 3rd. You can see, right, that you, wow, geez, that's not right. If he's sick and in bed and he can't campaign, that's not fair. We should we should postpone the election. You see, I think that Trump and his people are going to come up with something that reasonable people, even people who are opposed to Trump, will agree that, well, you know, we just can't hold the election right now. We, we, we just need to postpone it, you know, for a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years. Yeah, that's how it goes. Once you allow it to be postponed, more than likely, it's not coming back. You can never allow the postponement, no matter what. You see, he knows that. He knows that most of us are really going to take that position. And that's probably why he's probably trying to work out a way to just cancel the election. All right, forget about the postponement. Just cancel it and see if he can get away with it. Why not? Look at all the other things he's tried. And the majority of it, he's gotten away with it. Number four, plan number four. Trump's September surprise. And then his October surprise. And then his November surprise. Just the first three days of November, there's going to be a Trump surprise. And then, of course, his January surprise. And I think we know what that is. But the first three, his September and October and November surprises. Now, you think you might be able to guess what those will be. But trust me, whatever you think it is, it's going to be far worse. That's how we have to think. We need to be ready. We need to stay on high alert. Millions of us will need to act on a moment's notice. Are you ready? Are you ready to act right now? Something happens in the next hour. Do we know what we're going to do? Do we know how we're going to get together? Do we know how we're going to communicate with each other? If we don't, we, you, me, I'll take, I'll take the leadership on this. We will develop a way very quickly so that we can respond. Because the grim reaper of democracy is going to be at our doorstep. Listen, (laughs) we made the mistake. God, I wish we could turn the clock back. We made the mistake of letting Trump get this far. Never should have happened. Why would he now think that he can't get away with anything he wants to get away with? We've let him get away with it for four years. And New Yorkers... Sorry to keep coming back to you. You let him get away with it for 40 years. His racist practices, 
his anti-labor practices. This is like the most liberal city in the country, and you let him get away with this? Foisting him out upon the rest of us? What happened during those 40 years? The Donald. Oh, he was so entertaining, wasn't he? We don't know what the surprises are going to be here, but let me tell you. Well, obviously, if we knew, then they wouldn't be a surprise. That's why they're a surprise. Get ready. Trump plan number five. He will not leave. When Trump loses the election, assuming we have one, somehow we fight this back, ACLU, National Lawyers Guild, all the voting rights groups, everybody sues, everybody's in court, the Supreme Court by one vote. They just can't pull it off. God bless you, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for staying alive. They're not, if there's actually an election and he loses, he will declare the election invalid or rigged or stolen or whatever one, pick whatever word he uses. And then he will refuse to step down. He will say he will sue. He will find a judge to put a stay on everything. He doesn't have to leave the White House. You don't think that this can happen? You know, New Zealand, you know, New Zealand, the country we all love. It's up there with, you know, Norway and Iceland and all the other cool, good countries, right? That do things the right way. You see what New Zealand did yesterday? That great, that cool uh, prime minister of New Zealand. She, because there's an outbreak now, and and they've been so good with COVID, they've had, they reduced it to nothing. But now, as we know, because we know there's going to be a phase two, in various countries. There's one coming. It's already starting. Yesterday, she announced that she is postponing the election in New Zealand. Postponing it, as she said yesterday, for a month. And it's not like she's in trouble. I mean, she's expected to win and all that. But she just didn't want people coming out to the polls, getting sick, whatever. And so she, the most progressive liberal leader perhaps in the world leader of a country the last person that would deny people their right to vote she postponed the election don't think trump wasn't paying attention don't think this can't happen and he will rationalize it and he'll have lawyers and he'll have all the facts And it will seem like, yeah, if it's just a postponement for a month, that's okay. But, you know, if we didn't have Trump, let's just say we just had two decent people running. And we have the second phase, and now thousands are dying every day when the second phase comes. Who of us wouldn't say, you know what, we can, we we can, okay, maybe we can postpone this. We don't want anybody to die. We don't want anybody to get sick. And it's postponed for a month. And then somebody says at the end of the month, it's not going away. You know what? We should hold off on the election until the pandemic is over. (gasps) Boom. Music to Trump's ears. And it sounds so rational because all of a sudden it's about people's lives. It's about staying safe. 
staying alive. That's more important, isn't it? He will not step down. So what will we do then? Okay, so here's our battle plan. Number one, do not wait. Biden and Harris should start running the country right now. Don't wait. I know you're going, Mike, okay, they can't because they haven't been elected yet. Yes, I know that. So they can't do things that you have to do, be elected to do. But they are leaders. They are national leaders and they can lead and they can make things happen. And they need to do that now. We don't have the time to wait until January 20th of 2021. Nearly 200,000 of us have already died from Trump's reckless incompetence with the coronavirus. By election day, if you listen to some of the doctors, one of them, Dr. Redliner from Columbia University we had here on the podcast, you know, it's possible that another 100 to 200,000 of us will have needlessly died. Another, the 200, almost 200 now that are dead. And of course, according to the Times last Friday, you know, we think it's 170,000 that are, are dead. But they took a look at these states and a lot of the states are three weeks behind or whatever on reporting or hospitals and doctors are reporting the wrong thing. The Times said in their front page story on Friday that, in fact, it's right now, right now, more than 200,000 dead. It just isn't officially listed. So if there's another 200,000 by November, that's 400,000 dead. We can't wait till Inauguration Day to deal with this. 400,000 dead. That's the equivalent of 133 9-11s. Did you hear that? 133 9-11s between February and November of 2020 of the people in just the U.S. who will have died. 133 9-11s, that's 532 planes being flown into 532 buildings. If something that horrific ever did happen? Think about that. And there were close to 400,000 dead. And the president of the United States not only didn't do a goddamn thing about it, he tried to pretend that it wasn't all that bad. Uh, It is what it is. It is what it is. I swear to God, if we had had, if there had been 133 9-11s by now, And the president was going, hey, it's going to disappear. Don't worry. It's all going to be good. It is what it is. This guy, I'm assuming it'd be a guy, by the way. Sorry, guys. Gender traitor. Sorry, I am. I know. This guy, he'd be run out of the White House by an angry mob of millions of Americans. And he'd be lucky not to have his head put on a spike on the key bridge over the Potomac. I don't know why I picked the key bridge. There's the 14th Street Bridge. That would be a fine bridge, too. And what's, I can't remember the other bridges, but any, any one of them with Trump's head on it um, would send a, a loud message to anybody who'd try to do this again. I am kidding. Secret Service listening to this. I'm nonviolent, pacifist-type person, usually. <laughs> Listen, it didn't have to come to this, my friends. Biden and Harris should present to the American people a simple nationwide plan to end the pandemic 
and then act on it. Start acting on it. Do the things that they can do right now without having the authority of sitting in the White House. For instance, they should call a meeting of all the governors and ask them right now, ask the governors, what kind of help do you need? What kind of help do you need right now? And then find a way to get them that help now, not in January. Now, just go around Trump and just start making it happen. Biden and Harris, they could ask industry, you know, instead of asking them for campaign contributions, ask the titans of industry to produce right now hundreds of millions of instant result tests. You know, the new test, the Yale test that, all, that the NBA uses? Instant tests, five to 15 minutes, boom, done. That's what we need right now. All the other tests are bullshit. After that, <laughs> Biden and Harris, they should call all the different heads of states around the world, you know, the ones that they know personally, and just ask them, you know, if, they're, if they got any leftover, any PPE, you know, protective stuff left over as we head into the second phase of this in the fall and winter, please send it to us, please. And we'll, we'll, we will pay you back. We'll do right by you. Don't take any away from your own people, but just if you got any spare, please send it to us. They could do that right now. Biden and Harris should, right now should go on TV and they should get 250 million Americans to take something like the face mask pledge. Don't, don't run campaign ads uh, over the next week or so. Run an ad with the two of you getting all kinds of Americans. And we can, there's three, 330 million Americans. A lot of them are kids. And a lot of them are just never going to do this. You know, you, that's, just, that's just the country we live in. But I think you could get 250 million Americans to say, I will always wear a face mask when I'm in public, when I'm around people, when I'm around my own loved ones because I don't want to bring something home. They could do that right now. And Biden and Harris should also make a promise right now to the scientists in our top universities that they're going to get all the money and all the help they need once, once they're in office in January. So they can start right now doing the job, doing the work that they need to do, knowing that, they, that they're going to get paid for it. They're going to get whatever help they need. Just ignore Trump. That's the key to this. Start governing. Ignore Trump. Treat him as if he's irrelevant because he is. And just please get the job done. This will be a big, big help for us. Okay, my, my number two idea here in my, in my battle plan. Number two, the Republican Party must be crushed and destroyed. You heard it, crushed and destroyed. Trump must become the last Republican president of the United States. Now, before you get, get all crazy here, I'm not suggesting we have a one-party country. Absolutely not. Because even if we were just left with the Democrats, you know, you know, we all don't get along with each other anyways. So the Democratic Party would just become, there would be two parties. They would, it'll split and there'll be two parties. There'll be the progressive wing and then there'll be the Clinton wing. And, um, and you know, we'll run against each other. And, and the, the 20% hardcore right wingers they'll need to form their own party they'll have to you know we're not they're not going to not be allowed to participate in the american system here it's just that this republican party has contributed to the deaths of so many thousands of people so here's some good news in the michigan county where i live up in northern michigan the august primary this month it set a record turnout for a presidential year primary in fact, 
more people this year voted by mail-in ballot in my county than all those, all those who voted in 2016 by both mail-in and in-person. Combine those two groups in 2016, it's less than who voted just by mail-in two weeks ago. I mean, this, my friends, is highly, highly encouraging. It's an encouraging sign for what we now need to do. And this is what we need to do. We must create an historic, massive turnout between now and November 3rd. Remember, the early voting starts. Like in Michigan, you can go to your county or city uh, clerk starting September 19th, and you can vote right there in person, right at the counter. They'll hand you the mail-in ballot. I think they have a little table or booth thing. You just go in there, fill out your ballot, hand it back to the city clerk. That's it. You can start that. That is, how many days? Let me look this up here. That is just, whoa, that's just 33 days from when I'm recording this. We can start voting in Michigan in 33 days. So this is what we have to do. We have to create this massive turnout. It has to be a tsunami of voters across the country, the likes of which we have never seen and and may never see again. That's what we have to do. In 2016, there were 66 million Americans who voted for Hillary Clinton. I mean, okay, that was great. The highest number ever to vote for anybody for president was Barack Obama. 69 million voted for him. But listen, there are, I think, something like 240 million eligible, you know, voting age eligible Americans who can vote. 240 million. Can't we just get 100 million of those to vote for the Democrats in this election. That's all. Although that means it'll be about 30 million more than what Obama got. But damn it, we are in a special moment. We need a tsunami of voters. And I'm telling you, what Hillary, even though she won, she didn't win by enough. We need this landslide. This time, we have to wallop Trump with an electoral concussion, a blow so profound that he won't know what hit him. This must be a defeat so crushing, so humiliating for Trump, a whooping of such epic proportions that he will be forced to leave 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with his tail between his legs on January 20th. This this mammoth landslide must not only ensure that no president ever behaves this way again, We need to see to it that Trump is, in fact, the last Republican president. This Election Day uprising must put an end to this party of Trump enablers and traitors. They had a choice. They chose Trump over democracy. They chose Putin and Netanyahu over fair elections and freedom for all. They chose the 1% over the 160 million working Americans. They chose the NRA over the massacred children of Sandy Hook and so many other schools. They chose to rig our elections, to rig our textbooks, to rig our economy. And let's be honest, folks, 
Democrats helped them along the way or turned their head and pretended it wasn't going on. And we'll have to take the stick to them for that and fix it. That's on us. But it's the Republicans. The Republicans, though, chose to let hundreds of thousands of their fellow citizens perish from COVID-19 because loyalty to party and to Trump was greater than their duty to the American people. For that alone, the Republican Party must be put out of business for good. Vote out every last one of them on your ballot this fall. Look, again, I don't want a one-party system. That's not good. Conservatives will have to form a new party, much like when the Whigs were sent packing back in the 1800s. If you don't know, know, Google it, Wikipedia it. Read about the Whigs. They were a party. before. There was another party before them very early on called the Democratic Republican Party. That was the name of the party. That went bye-bye too. So there's nothing unusual. Parties die. This one's got to die. The Republicans must pay for their crimes, and we must shun them. Also, we must flip the Senate. And not just by taking back three seats so that we have control. We should shock all the the chattering pundits and everybody. We should shock them. And as the Republican Party is reduced to ashes at the polls, we need to grab a solid 55-seat-plus majority in the United States Senate. And we we can get these seats in Colorado, Arizona, Maine, North Carolina, Georgia. Iowa, Montana, and even Kansas, and South Carolina, and yes, Texas, a state that is now 57% non-white. All of these states have possible Democratic Senate wins. Let's make this happen. You can help. I mean, think about spending a weekend or even a week helping out one of these states. You probably live in one of them, or you live nearby one of them. If you live in New England, you're near Maine. If you live in the Southwest, you're near Colorado and Arizona. You know, if you live down South, you're near North Carolina and Georgia. In the Midwest, Iowa, Kansas. What else we got to do right now? Just get in the car find a COVID safe way to do this. The Republicans, I got to tell you, the fact that so many don't have work right now because they've completely, completely bungled this. The Republicans are going to wish they had managed this pandemic better and that everybody had been busy back at work right now because all this free time All this free time is going to make for their undoing. And one more point about these elections. We have to vote the local Republicans out of office too. State houses and senates are going to be drawing the electoral map for the next 10 years. We can't let the cheating Republicans do this again. So do what you can to elect Democrats in your local state 
elections. Find out who to get behind, get behind them, and get them having a majority in your state house or your state senate, your state assembly. The punishment of the Republican Party, which is a certified terrorist organization, because they helped kill at least 200,000 Americans, and it will be more. This is an imperative. We have no choice. Okay, Mike's plan number three here in my in my battle plan. It's really a question. Who amongst you would be willing to, if need be, put your life on the line to ensure that this election is held and everyone gets to vote? I would. I most definitely would. I can't think of a time when I've needed to stand for who we are more than right now. And I'm counting on that a lot of you would be willing to join me. Now, I'm not suggesting um, anything here. Certainly no violence. But we need to stand against the violence. It may come to that. And before that, before we, if we have to make that decision, the Secret Service, the FBI, the Capitol Police, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they must be called before the United States House of Representatives into committee, and they need to swear under oath that they will guarantee that the election will be held. Our leaders of Congress, Nancy Pelosi, others need to call them in raise their right hand and swear that they will enforce the Constitution that they previously swore to uphold. And if Trump's defeated and refuses to leave, they will escort the former President of the United States out of the White House. We need to see that live and on TV and if they can't say that, if they can't say that they will do their job, they have to be replaced. Biden and Harris, they must put Trump on notice that if he does one more thing to interfere with this election or issues one more threat to suppress the vote, they will turn him and his crime family over to the new Justice Department for prosecution come January 21st. He needs to stop breaking or threatening to break the law. He needs to know that there are consequences to these actions. Every single one of us must be strong in our publicly stated resolve that there is absolutely no reason on earth to postpone or cancel this election. That has to be our unmovable and intractable position. Everybody agree, right? There is no caveat, no asterisk to that. It is unmovable and intractable. 
And we have to say this clearly to friends, neighbors, family, say it wherever you are at work, at school, you know, shout it on a street corner. Let our elected officials know that we, the people, state that no national tragedy or disease or threat or even the melting of all of Greenland will cause us not to vote on or before November 3rd. We have to be serious about this, dead serious. We have to say that this election is happening no matter what, even if, God forbid, either of the candidates passes in their sleep between now and election day. And let's pray that that does not happen to either of them. But if it does, these are older men. The election will continue. And the winner's vice presidential candidate, having won, or Nancy Pelosi, because she's third in line. I mean, I'll let the, I'll let the lawyers <laughs> sort this out. But that's who's going to become president on, a, on Inauguration Day, because we had an election. Let's all pledge to that if Trump tries to cancel this election, or if he refuses to accept its results after it's held, millions, millions of us will go to D.C. and encircle the White House. We will be a thousand deep in that circle. And we will stay there until he either backs down, resigns, or is removed. And now what I alluded to a few minutes ago. If you can do this, if you can, and I understand if you can, but if you can quietly make this following commitment to yourself, If you could say this to yourself, there are only a very few things I'd be willing to give my life for. This is one of them. There are only a very few things I'd be willing to give my life for, and this is one of them. I know. I know that's dark. It is dark and it's heavy and it's awfully sad because it shouldn't have to come to this. But if we can't even say that, if we don't have the courage to utter those words to ourselves, then what good are we? If we aren't willing to make that sacrifice, then America is already over and we might as well just fold our tent and see if Canada will take the non-racist, non-homophobic, non-warmongering ones of us, you know, the ones of us who also have some manners and understand satire. Hoping that it doesn't come to that, each of us need to become an election defender. My point number four here. Each of you should form, those of you listening, and I'll do this too, we need to form an urgent action group, a rapid response team in your neighborhood, your town, within your family. You can do it on Zoom even. You don't have to be in person, but you've got to get a group of people together, 5, 10, 20, and do the following. 
right now, number one, you need to hold a daily protest at your local post office. Don't believe that they're not still going to mess with this. Number two, you need to pick at the home of your local postmaster. Now, she or he may be on your side, so, you know, don't go there angry. Just go there to be supportive. You know, bring them some baked goods or something. Number three, some of us need to chain ourselves to a local, one of those local blue United States Postal Service drop boxes on the street, if you can still find one. Or chain that drop box to something that won't move. They say they won't pick them up anymore, but that's only because they picked up so many already, quietly before everybody caught on. So this is what I mean about being vigilant. If we're not paying attention, they're already doing the next thing. We don't even know it. And we want to, we want to try and convince ourselves, yeah, we, I saw that happening, but I, I don't really think, um, yeah, no, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's not nothing. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Here's something very important, especially young people need to do. You need to sign up with the city clerk, you know, whoever the election official is in your town, sign up to be a poll worker on election day. They're called different names in different states. Some states call them election judges. It's kind of cool, but really all you're doing is you're just signing people in and making sure that person is the person and you're giving them their ballot. Make sure you only give them one. So if you're young, you need to do this because a lot of the poll workers, if you haven't voted yet, I'll just, I'll let you in on this. Those poll workers, when you go to vote, are usually senior citizens. They're the last people that need to be in contact with other people. They need to be home. We don't need to get them sick. We need to keep them alive. So in some of these primaries during the pandemic here, there have been a significant lack of poll workers. They've had to close polling locations. It's been very hard to vote in some of these primaries. Some of these lines have been five or six hours long. This will kill. This will kill the election. So you need to, you need to if you can, sign up to be a poll worker that day. Now, if, if you're told... Uh, by the clerk that, no, we've got enough people signed up now that Michael Moore was like on some, I don't know, what was he on, some podcast telling everybody to go sign up. <laughs> That's okay because there's another job you can do. Contact your local Democratic Party, your local headquarters, whatever, and offer to be a poll watcher. Now, poll watchers are groups of people from each party who get to kind of be in there and, you know, oversee the voting to make sure there aren't any irregularities. So you can do that. And in many of these states, you can do this at 16 or 17 years old. You don't have to be 18. So um, so think about doing that. All of us need to demand that our cities or towns that we live in, they need to create more voting locations. There's way too few voting locations. That's also meant to suppress the vote. We need to convince owners of arenas, uh, theaters, ballparks, malls, you know, places with large open spaces to offer their facilities as polling places so that everybody gets a chance to vote and vote quickly. Now, a lot of places have done this. The Atlanta Hawks have offered up their arena in Atlanta. The Dodgers have done it. The ballpark, you can vote outside. They're, they're going to be there for early voting for election day. Um, the Pistons have done it in Detroit. You, get, you need to get these, the different, you know, the NBA and LeBron is doing a great job with this. Help him. Get more voting lo locations. And we got to do this now in August. We all need to canvas our neighborhoods, go door to door over the next 
month or two to get people to fill out the form that they need to fill out in order to get a mail-in ballot. So you'll go door to door, you'll have these forms, they'll fill out the form in states where they just don't send you the ballot, you got to send in a form first, and you'll get that form, a batch of them, to the city clerk. Then they will mail that individual their ballot. They won't give the ballot to you in, in most places. Um, but that's okay. It's, it's a safe way to do it. And also, when you're going door to door, people don't want to vote by mail, tell them when the early voting starts. Uh, and I'll, I'll put a, a link or two on my podcast page here so you can click on it and see when the voting starts in your state. Some of these aren't completely up to date. I noticed I looked at one uh, today that didn't have uh, Michigan down for early voting. That's probably because it's not like a polling location in Michigan. You can just go to the clerk starting September 19th, 45 days before the election, and just fill out your ballot right there. That's what I'm hoping. I am hoping to leave my uh, my lockdown, my quarantine, and get out of here and, and drive home and uh, and do this. So uh, find out when you can do early voting here on my, on my site. Oh, another thing you can do going door to door is make a list of people who are going to need a ride, a COVID safe ride. And the earlier, the better. Finally, number five of my battle plan, point five, the uprising we're in is only getting bigger. And that means that the people from now on are going to call the shots. I mean, why wait for politicians to fix this mess of a country we're in right now when they help to orchestrate the mess in the first place? Why don't we just declare how we want to live, a new way to govern and function as a country? And if we do that, I believe that we will finally fulfill the promise of the American dream that has never, ever been fully realized. Life liberty, true equality, a sharing of the wealth, being good citizens of this world and kind stewards of a fragile earth. What have we learned from this pandemic? We've learned a lot of things that we already knew. For instance, that employer-based health insurance can evaporate in an instant like it's done for tens of millions of people who thought they had it made. I got this great plan. The, my boss pays for it. And then boom, pandemic gone. And you think of all the things the government would step in to do, provide, you know, health care during a pandemic, that that would have already happened. No, millions and millions and millions of people with no health insurance when they've never needed it more. This is so Friggin' sick and ironic. Well, what have we learned? We've learned that healthcare is a human right, and that's all we will settle for from now on. And Kamala Harris, who is a co-signer, a co-sponsor of Bernie's Medicare for All bill, she's got to bring Joe Biden along on this. He can do it. It's not the it's not January. It's not eight months ago. We're in a whole new era. There has to be health care for everyone. 
and nobody has to worry about paying for it. Of course, what's one of the reasons they always used to say, when I say used to back in the old days, like eight months ago, they'd say, if you talk about Medicare for all, oh, we can't afford that. Oh, we can't afford that. And then look at all the things they've been able to afford. Every time you said something like, well, college, you know, maybe we shouldn't, uh, tuition should be free. Oh, no, we can't afford that. What about childcare? Oh, no, we can't afford that. Can't afford it. Can't afford it. Really? Well, you know what we've learned during the pandemic? We can afford everything. We can afford fuck all. Everything. And it's total bullshit to say now to us, because we know, we know now, because we saw the government pay for everything. We know that the government can afford anything that we, the people, decide that we need. End of story. What else have we learned? We've learned that teachers and nurses, the male woman, farm workers, mass transit workers, and minimum wage workers, you know, the ones that stock the grocery shelves at three in the morning, that they are, in fact, our most important citizens. And everybody else who's got just what used to be considered just some, you know, job, what we found out is, is that we can't get by without you. We can't live without you. You in many cases, have saved our lives. And because of that, you are deserving of our respect and you are deserving of an income that is a good income, not a crap income. And you deserve this immediately. 74% of the country now believes, according to a poll this past week, that a guaranteed annual income is a great idea. Again, eight months ago, this is this is 50 percentage points higher than when presidential candidate Andrew Yang proposed that we should have this guaranteed income. What was it? What do you want to do? He wanted to give like a thousand dollars to everybody a week. Was it a thousand dollars a week, a thousand dollars a month? I don't know what something like that. It was good. Whatever it was, it was good. And and when he said this seven or eight months ago, I think he was polling at something like um um I think that idea was polling at somewhere around 24%, something like that. I don't have the exact number, but it wasn't much. See, we've learned a lot and we've learned to slow down. We've learned to consume less. And I think that that may be the path to saving the planet. Because, you know, when 4% of the inhabitants of this earth, that would be us, uh, are no longer sucking up 25% of its resources and hoarding more than half its wealth, Planet Earth has a chance. My friends, we're about to go and elect more women, more women than ever before in this election. And it's time to turn the reins over to the gender that stands a better chance. Sorry, guys, again, I know, I know I'm like some self-hating guy, but I'm not really. I'm glad I'm happy. I'm, you know, I, can, I can live with it. But we need to turn the reins over to the gender that stands a better chance of getting us through the deadly viruses of covid capitalism and the Republicans. May the party rest in peace. None of this is going to be launched by politicians, my friends. It will only come about through you and me taking action as part of the largest protest movement in our history that's going on right now. It's still growing, still going strong. 
God bless you, George Floyd. Thank you for your sacrifice to creating this incredible movement to end racism, to end the abuse of the police state, to stop the disgusting income inequality, and to end the hateful misogyny. This all has to end. It has to end now. It has to end in our lifetime. America. America, post-pandemic, must become a very different place. Let's make this happen. Doing the above here that I've suggested, I'm telling you, that will be the best cure for the trauma all of us have experienced during these four years. Let's do it. Commit, everybody, right now, commit to being the change. We are all the change, each one of us. Organize your friends and family and do it now. Do it today. Do it tonight. Make your plan to campaign in a swing state in September or October. Make it now. If you need to ask for time off, ask for it now. Take off Election Day. Take off the weekend before Election Day. Take off some time to save this country. And of course, most importantly, vote as early as early as you can. Don't put this off. Trump has set this up to fail because he knows people like me either get the absentee ballot on the last day or, you know, you know, okay, I'm busy, but I'm not that busy, but I'm busy. I'm telling you, this is critical. Figure out your plan to vote, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it. Make sure it happens. We can do this. And, and Trump, Mr. Trump, Donald Trump, if you're listening, <laughs> we're coming for you. You'll recognize me because I'll be in the first U-Haul truck that pulls up to your door on Pennsylvania Avenue. There's a happy thought to close this podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Let's do this. Do not be afraid. We can win. We can beat back these forces that are trying to stop us from having our free election. We will do this. Thank you. Thank you for being with me. I'm honored and proud to stand with you more than you know. Thanks to my executive producer, Basil Hamden, editor and sound engineer, Nick Quaz, for helping me out with all of this. I will talk to you soon, very soon. It's convention week, not in Milwaukee, but right there in your living room. Let's get busy. This is Rumble, and I'm Michael Moore. Be well. Be well.